Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Victory Drive. All right, this episode is another Hunt Camp episode. I love, love, love doing these Hunt Camp episodes. Um, I have had some people... Uh, messaging me before about these hunt camp episodes not being the clearest or not being the loudest, uh, being a little quiet. Um, that's just kind of nature of the beast with a lot of these remote podcasts. But um, I think we did find something that works really, really, really well. Um, I, this one, I, in my opinion, sounds about as good as any um, remote podcast can sound, Kurt. Uh, he hooked me up, he hooked it up, he went through it a little bit, um, put it through this program and started touching things up and made it sound really good, I think. So, uh, yeah, so with this episode, I uh, went down to Southern Iowa for first gun season and I was just down there with my good old friend, Derek Verbeek, that all of you know and love already. Um, he's, he's buddies with Travis Teal, Travis Thiel, Travis Teal, I I was kind of, I think I always screw his name. I was going to say Travis Teal um, and Jeremy Meyer from Buckstorm. He's one of the Buckstorm boys. So uh, we've done an episode with him before during uh, Pronghorn Camp. If you guys want to go back and listen to that um, and get to know him a little bit better. Um, I also had his brother Derek, or his brother Derek, he is Derek, his brother Dalton Verbeek on and Dylan, which is their friend that I just met down there during this hunt camp, um, this first season, first gun season, Iowa camp. Uh, and he was on there for a little bit. He doesn't talk much. He's a little soft spoken. So, but we don't hold against him. He had cancer, beat the cancer. He's bald. And that's Dylan. Um, great guy. All these, all the guys I met down there, um, are awesome, awesome dudes. Uh, met another friend of Derek's. His name is B Cool. He's a super cool dude. Um, excited to have him on. He would have been on this one, but 
he had, was just getting over influenza, so he was coughing quite a bit, and his voice was kind of fucked up, he said. Um, so we'll have him on in the future someday. He's a super cool dude. He has a really interesting background. So anyways, um, Derek and I do most of the talking on this one, and we just kind of go over uh, how the hunt went. Um, with first With gun season, I know a lot of guys and gals out there Especially bow hunters, and don't get me wrong, guys. I don't ever try talking shit on like bow hunting or any type of hunting in general. It's just some. It's just pointing out observations, right? So a lot of bow hunters fucking despise the way gun hunters hunt, especially with um, you know, with the whole deer drive thing and all that good stuff. And I get it to a certain extent, you know. Um, it can be perceived as not very pretty. Not the best way, not the prettiest way to hunt. It's not, you know, you're not sitting out in the cold, freezing your butt off, um, and waiting for a deer to make a natural movement to come walking by where you're at so you can shoot them, right? But I will say that, um, with my experience growing up doing deer drives with my family, um, and then also going down to Southern Iowa with Derek in hunting, um, man, I don't know, maybe it's different everywhere else, but I just haven't seen that high of, uh, fail rate or failure to recovery rate when, when it comes to guns, it's just, uh, when it comes to guns, if you hit them, they're generally, you generally can tell right away that they're hit and they're going to be down fairly quickly. Um, it just does a lot of, they guns do a lot of damage and they, Cause generally, generally cause a pretty quick death, even when you're doing deer drives, even when you're shooting running deer or trotting deer or whatever you want to, whatever moving deer, right? Um, you know, I I go back and forth all the time. Like every year, I feel like I go back and forth about oh, deer drives are they are they cool? Do they suck? Are they unethical? Are this? Are they that? Um, and I've just kind of come to the point in my life where I love hunting. And, uh, deer drives are successful. Like they're very successful, especially when you're talking herd management. Like we talk about, um, ad nauseum on this episode where there's areas in this country and especially in Iowa where there are just way too many deer. The population is way too dense and you have landowners that don't want hunting on their land. So then all the deer just pile in there. And in this case, specifically, we had a, we were part of a depredation hunt and this farmer, he rents this land from the landowner. The landowner doesn't allow any hunting. Uh, so there's just a pile of deer in there. And when I say pile of deer, I mean, I haven't seen that many deer in my entire life in one area. It was insane. And this farmer finally got the landowner twisted his arm enough to, coax him and be like, dude, we need to do something about these deer. I'm losing my ass out here. I can't, I can't pay the bills, you know, when I'm losing this many, this much corn beans off the field. Like it's insane. I can't keep doing this. So the landowner finally agreed to it got the DNR out there. And the DNR was like, yeah, you have a problem. So they issued out a bunch of depredation tags and our group was, um, the lucky ones to get to go through it. And the only caveat was no bucks allowed. We were only allowed to shoot does, even though we had buck tags, but the landowner is like, I like to look at deer. I don't want any bucks shot. So just shoot the does. We're like, okay, Roger that. We go in there and we shot a lot of does. We'll talk about it on this episode, but, um, 
And I also know that that's not super popular either, you know, uh, shooting a lot of deer. Um, but it's necessary. It's necessary. And if we don't do it, then someone else is someone that's even, um, that's not going to respect the resource as much as we do as hunters, even gun hunters. I know a lot of people like to poo poo on the way other people hunt and like to think of them as maybe less than hunters, but if you're out there hunting and grinding and especially during deer drives, you're walking a lot, you're working your tail off. So, um, to say that gun hunters don't respect the resource and don't respect deer it, that that's, that's not just not true. At least with the people that I run around with. Um, so if you are those, those guys, that type of person, I would encourage you to listen to this episode and just maybe look at it with an open mind. All right. Um, I'm going to keep doing them. I like it. I like deer drives. I think they're all right when done correctly, when they're done incorrectly, they can be a detriment. Absolutely. It can be tough and it can be kind of dangerous if you don't, if you're with a group that doesn't know what they're doing. Like I get all the complaints. I, I totally understand all the complaints, but at the same time, um, I don't think everyone that does them is bad or bad hunters or anything like that. Um, so if you're interested in it, this is about a lot about deer hunting with guns in Iowa and doing and conducting deer drives. So if you don't like it, then if you're just like, nope, I don't like it. I ain't listening. This sucks. And it's, you know, maybe skip the next one, listen back on some previous episodes that we've done. But I do understand that this is not going to be everyone's cup of, cup of tea. And, um, I'm not really in the business of making everybody happy all the time. I'm going to piss you guys off every once in a while. It's just going to, especially with this solo series I'm going to come out with, um, in the near future. I'm just getting a lot of stuff wrapped up with that and really excited for it. But there are going to be some episodes that come out that are going to push people's buttons a little bit, maybe get them thinking a little bit. Um, but I'm not here to make everybody happy. I'm here to, uh, bring a point of view that maybe a lot of you maybe put a little bit of thought into, but also maybe disregard a lot or whatever, you know, but I guess what I'm trying to say is I know I'm not going to make everybody happy and I'm not really going to try making everybody happy. Cause if I do that, then I'm not going to be myself anymore. And above all else, I <clears throat> pride myself on being myself all the time, whether I'm behind a microphone or in person or anything. I'm just Jacob Johnson. That's all there is to it. And I hope you guys enjoy it. But even if you don't like it, then, you know, hey, thanks for listening anyways. You know, so if you made it this far in this podcast and you're still written down as a download. So like, thank you for doing that. I appreciate it anyways. Um, but with that said, I hope you guys do do enjoy it and do maybe come across, come um, come out of it with a different point of view or something. Or maybe I just suck. I don't know. One of the two. But let's get on with it and get on to the Partners of Victory Drive, a podcast. All right. First up, we got... <clears throat> excuse me. I got a little frog in my throat. Um, first up, Mountain Ops. Code VICTORY. 20% off. Help us f- feed hungry people. They're donating meals. If you go through... You use code VICTORY, they're going to donate meals to some hungry people. Um, WCB, they over there, they with their code WCB, they're having this huge um, uh, 
drive right now. Um, they're trying to get 100,000 mules donated. And when they do, there's going to be a huge celebration. And I think Kurt said there's going to be a party where everyone's invited to that bought something. It's going to be a good deal. It's a guilt-free company. And um, I've been asked this before about the hunters, the, the not hunters, but the um, helping feed the hungry. Conquer Hunger. There you go. Operation Conquer Hunger with Mountain Ops. They're like, oh, it's a, it's a marketing ploy. It's this. It's that. Like, you have to buy something from them in order to coerce that company in order to do something nice. It's like, well, I mean, maybe if you want to look at it that way, sure. But guess what, motherfucker? If a company is not making money, then they won't have money to donate to feed hungry people. So, yes, they do want you to buy stuff because they do want to grow the business and they do want to make more money so they can continue to feed hungry people and help them out. So um, if you're one of those people that are kind of poo-pooing on it as a marketing ploy, uh, I don't know what to say. You're probably, you're just wrong. Um, yes, they are trying to get you to buy more stuff. absolutely. fucking lootly, but they're a company. They're a company trying to make money. They're a for-profit company, but they want to do nice, like, good things with that money as well, you know? And this is one of those things. And I think it's a great thing. So go ahead. You can use code VICTORY, 20% off at anything you want to buy from Mountain Ops. And also, Grizzly Coolers. All right. Grizzly Coolers. I said it once. I said it a million times. Great coolers. They keep your stuff cold when you want it to be cold. But one thing I found out over Thanksgiving break, um, it also does a pretty bang-up job keeping things hot. So you make a turkey, right? You got to take it over to your in-laws that you don't really want to be there anyways, but you also don't want to feed your in-laws some dry, nasty, disgusting turkey. So you cook your turkey to 160 degrees internal temperature, right? And you're like, okay, let's pull this sucker out. You wrap it in tinfoil maybe. And after that, you throw that sucker right into a grizzly cooler and guess what it's going to do? It's going to continue cooking a little bit, but also it's going to take all them juices and soak them right back into that delicious turkey meat that you're going to feed your family with and celebrate Thanksgiving over, right? So you put in a grizzly cooler for transportation purposes, get it to where you need it to be, open that sucker up, and the whole room's just going to explode with the, the scent, the aroma of delicious turkey and everyone's gonna be like oh my gosh this is thanksgiving thank you so much for opening that grizzly cooler and and gracing us with this this beautiful awesome aroma of delicious turkey and if you didn't smoke it shame on you you should get a smoker and do that because it's way better um but if even if you didn't even if you did just bake in your oven it's still gonna smell great and then you pop that sucker open, they open up that tin foil, you start carving that turkey up, you see the juices flowing out from the turkey breast, and everyone's just salivating, waiting, waiting their turn to get some turkey. And maybe they already have their stuffing, or maybe they don't, I don't know. But you're cutting it up, juices are flowing everywhere, people t- put it on their plate and they take a bite, and they're like, holy crap, uh, it's w- still warm and juicy and delicious. You didn't let it get cold, so when you got to your in-laws, you had to throw it back in the oven and heat it back up. Like a peasant. That's crazy. That is insane. Why would you do that? It's just going to dry your turkey out. That's just, that's a terrible idea. Don't do that. Put that hot turkey into a grizzly cooler. Keep it nice and warm. Take it to your in-laws. Have a great Thanksgiving. Because the only thing worse than... Um, if you have shitty in-laws, the only thing worse than going to your shitty in-laws place for Thanksgiving is having um, your wife's shitty dad yelling at you about screwing up the turkey, dude. You don't need that. You don't need that, guys. Get yourself a grizzly cooler for next Thanksgiving and keep your turkeys hot. 
Um, also moving on, Africa. Holy crap, guys. Let's go to Africa. It's going to be a great time. I still have a few spots available August 26th through September 3rd. All right, you can contact me on Instagram or email me at victorydrivepod at gmail.com. It's going to be gun or bow, no matter what you want. All right, we don't judge here at Victory Drive. You want to use a bow? Great. You want to use a gun? Even better. We'll kill more stuff with guns. It'd be great. Um, um, but it's just uh, Africa's a great time. I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. But if you guys want to go, let me know. Also, Wyoming Bear Camp. I just talked to Kurt about this for quite a while today, um, and he talked to Trey. Uh, Wyoming Bear Camp is changing. We made it. We updated the website. It is going to be different. It's no longer fully guided, right? So it's going to be a semi-guided drop camp style hunt, uh, which I honestly kind of prefer. It's going to be. It'd be really fun because we because Trey goes out there. He um, freshens up the bait barrels. He gets the tents all set up. He has firewood there, sitting there, ready to get burned up and hang around and drink beer around. Um, but he has all the camp amenities. I think there's even a shower there. Like, holy crap, that's crazy. Nice showers in the backcountry. Heck yeah, let's do it. Um, not together, but individually. We'll take turns using the shower or something. Um, but where's it going with that oh yeah all all the camp amenities um the only thing is he won't be there he won't be feeding your fat faces you bring your own food um so bring your own food to camp sleep in a cool tent hang out go walk out to wherever you're at for hunting wise hunt over bait barrel if you want go spot and stock i don't know i the choice is yours at this point everyone all right you won't have a guide um sitting there with you it'll be self-guided drop camp style hunt right and but with that the really great thing about that is that we got the price cut in half cut it in half take that price of five grand and cut it in half that's what we did twenty five hundred dollars is all it's going to take for you to get to wyoming and hunt bears with me and devin leonard all right it's gonna be a great time it's still gonna be over memorial day week but if we get you know people signed up and there's we need room for more Then he's going to extend the camp out another couple of weeks into June. All right. So, um, once again, guys, let me know if you want to get off going to Wyoming bear camp. Oh my gosh. Why did I say that's so weird? Get off going to Wyoming bear camp. Let me know if you want to go just like in Africa. All right. Uh, and also Huntworth. I know I did that kind of weird, but with the way my notes is laid out, I have two and then camps, and then, third so huntworth another great company to work work with uh i wore their stuff down actually during this hunt i it was warm and we're walking a lot so i wore the their light pants the durham pants and i went with the tarnan models do i really need camouflage bottoms when i'm wearing blaze orange vest no no i don't but they are very comfortable, and I love those pants. They are super-duper comfortable. They have the stronger knees and the butt reinforced buttocks. Um, so they're pretty tough, honestly. I was going through a lot of crap, like a lot, a lot of crap, a lot of briar brush, a lot of thorns and stickers and bullshit. Um, but those pants held up, and they are thin So I, because they're for hot weather. So my legs did get tore up. Not going to lie. They did get tore up. 
but the pants are still serviceable. There's a couple little pinprick holes in them from all the briar brush and thorns and stuff, but they're still working pants. They look great still and they feel great. So, uh, Huntworth code WCB 15. And I don't think I, did I tell you guys the code for Grizzly. It's WCB for 15% off for Grizzly. Then Huntworth is code WCB 15. If you want to get yourself some Huntworth and they, if you guys missed out, they had some awesome sales over Black Friday. Holy crap. They were getting, they were basically giving stuff away. It was insane. So you want to get some, if you missed that, then you might as well use code WCB15 and save yourself some coin and get into some awesome Huntworth gear. It's really, honestly, very impressive stuff. When it was super cold a few weeks back, I was wearing their, um, I can't remember all the names, guys. I'm not, I don't actually work for Huntworth, so I don't know. I can't remember all of the names. But their warm weather or their cold weather gear is phenomenal, honestly. And I've talked to people about it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, well, looking at the prices, like they're not really that much cheaper than Sitka. Like, why won't I just get Sitka?" I'm like, yeah, Sitka's cool for some people, I guess. Especially cool if you're gay. But if you're not gay, then get Huntworth. Um, that was a joke, but um, honestly, uh, they're kind of right. Where the the hot weather stuff, the Sitka is still more expensive. But it's not like a lot. So if you're willing to pay a little bit more for um, basically the same pant because um, it's, it's lightweight. And it's like, what are you going to get for a lightweight pant, you know? So if you want to do that, sure, go ahead. But I will say this. Um, Huntworth cold weather gear really starts separating themselves from the Sitka, from Kuyu, from those other high-priced brands um because their i mean their cold weather stuff is very warm their heat boost is very warm it's awesome i haven't worn sitka's cold weather stuff because i'm poor i'm a poor person i'm a peasant just like everyone else that's listening probably i don't know of any super rich people that are listening to victor drive but if you have sitka then you're probably richer than i am so congratulations now you can go be gay and drive expensive trucks too all right, so congratulations. Keep rubbing it in. Whatever you need to do, I don't care. But Huntworth is the working man's brand, in my opinion. So you need some gear, contact Huntworth. Use code WCB15 and get yourself soon. All right, with all that said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it, guys. We have been going on for, this is the 50th episode, I think. Let me look at this. I'm pretty sure. It's the 50th episode, so that means it is the 50th week that you've been listening to my stupid voice, and I appreciate you for doing it. Um, yeah, this is going to be episode 50, so that's almost a year. Holy crap, that's almost a year, right? 50, 52 weeks in a year? That's nuts. Um, so I really do appreciate you guys listening, and um, actually... I dropped a few episodes in the beginning early. That's why it's, the math's not mathing properly. But I really do appreciate you guys listening for 50 episodes now. So it's not I know it's not 600, like working class just celebrated, but it's the 50th. And that's going to mean something, right? So once again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys so much for listening and tuning in week after week and listening to whoever I have on because whoever I have on, I'm sure you're more, more listening for them, not so much for me. And I'm just glad that you guys are trusting me to be the a decent host at least hopefully and yeah i don't know that's it i just feel a little sentimental today all right and i just appreciate all you guys so hope you guys enjoy the the, the episode uh, it's always a pleasure having derek for on and talking to him he's a great guy so 
All right. Well, I guess we'll see you next week. Goodbye. To, uh, so there's another um, hunt camp episode here. So the the recording might be a little sketchy just because we're using these little wireless uh, microphones. But uh, let's do a roundtable real quick. Obviously, Jacob Johnson here. Yeah, Derek Verbeek, Colin Verbeek, Dylan Olson. All right. Um, so we're down here in southern Iowa. We're doing uh, just gun season. What do you even call it now? And I was just firing. Deer gun one as well. Deer gun one. Yeah. yeah. So deer gun one. So and I were just straight up, just orange, orange army in it. Orange army. You want to, uh, yeah, we've been coming down for about, uh, I don't know. I think I'm over 20 years now. My grandpa kind of started it back in the day, kind of when deer season opened in Iowa, late fifties, sometime around there. And, He's brought me, my brother, and cousins down since I think I started in '04, and we kind of just been bringing friends ever since. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jacob came out uh, antelope hunting, and while we were out there, I told him, "Come on down. You're in Iowa. Could use more tags." And uh, he had already bought an early muzzleloader, so he's just down for mm-hmm. he's filming and having a blast and learning, seeing if he wants to do it again. So yeah. Talk, I talked about that quite a bit when I had Matt on. We were talking over our early muzzleloader season and stuff and um, how I went. With Iowa, if you get an early muzzleloader tag, you can't go any of the gun seasons, which is kind of silly. You can do it during if you get a late muzzleloader tag, but you can't if you get an early muzz tag. It's hard to explain. I mean, you literally have to look online to see what you can yeah. and can't hunt. So. Yeah, it's kind of kind of silly. But uh, so we're... Canada, um, we, sorry, but, uh, we were going through and, um, have a bunch of land here. A lot of the, so one thing is, I guess, I guess let's talk about that, like kind of the controversy of deer drives. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Let's be, we're well, orange we're army. About we are army. the orange army. Um, so we get, we come down here. It's kind of a relation and family friends. They all farm down here. And honestly, they hate deer. Um, they just, they don't hunt. They hit them with their cars. Um, one of the hunts we just did, we'll probably talk about it, but uh, you get a tag, depredation tag. So they can get, uh, the DNR comes out and he will check the crops and they will give out a number of tags um, that you can use. I don't, I don't know if they're free for the landowner or not. Um, I don't know either. I think you, they might be. I think they had to go on and buy it. Okay, so they're cheaper. They're if they're if they cost money, they're like five, like not a lot. If they do, cost they, money. they they go through and they um check over the damages and stuff. Then they allocate a certain amount one of the, due to the damages. One right? of the guys we talked to, well, we hunt his ground, but he said the first year they came out and checked one of his farms. It's uh, 
It's a 600 acre piece with timber and a probably like a 500 acre piece with some timber in it. Not a, it's a draw, but he said that year alone, the DNR issued him 130 depredation tags for that farm. So it's a little different down here. Most people's drives, they are going buck only and shooting anything. Like Mm -hmm. if it has a rack, it's down. So our, out of the number of deer we kill, we kill a good amount of deer. I bet over 90% of them are does. That's what it was like yesterday. Yeah. We're we've, hunting. What do we got on the wall? Three bucks, maybe? Mm-hmm. Right. One, two, three. three. And then I, I did shoot yeah. a little, a one-year-old that was hit by a car, kind of felt bad. We thought it got hit. Someone shot it, but it ended up being just injured. So mm-hmm. I, I. That one did sing a little Ethically. Bit shot yeah. it thinking it needed to go down when uh yeah it kind of stinks shooting a young deer but i thought i was yeah ethically doing the right thing so well, that was the first morning and we were hunting this draw and we we're going through it and when he came because you sh- um shot at a bigger buck that yeah ended up missing and then that ran over and one the of the kids boy yeah the kids got all the bucks so. that have been shot have been shot by the younger kids yep all 10 and under with their dads yep so so that's pretty awesome but uh when that Little buck came out. We were, all, I, mean, we're I was looking at it too. I was because I'm sitting here uh, recording and stuff, and saw it running up. And it looked like his back legs were kind of flailing. Talked to Dalton. He saw it. Mm-hmm. All, also, yep. He I glassed it up, but I didn't see any blood, so I didn't take a shot at him. But he looked shot. I mean, he was dog. I, I thought 100% open. he was shot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we it, well, he, also let's talk about that because we didn't see the, the we didn't see the doe. Yeah, he was with the doe earlier. The guys dropped the doe. They didn't shoot the buck because he was too small. And he ran back to the doe and waited for her to get back up. But she... He was chasing. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was chasing her down. And then he ran towards me. And then, yeah, Derek... Came out at the end. Was mm-hmm. Something was wrong with his back leg. Yeah. He might have made it. Who knows? But he was definitely not healthy. Mm-hmm. He was pretty skinny and bones. And his back legs were screwed. He definitely got hit by a car. Yeah. Even as a young buck, he looked like... Body wise, significantly smaller than he probably should have. Yeah, it seemed like. So, but our main pur- <clears throat> purpose down here is the farmers. Like they tell us to shoot everything. We still got the main hunter in us, where we're not shooting little bucks, even though they want us to. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it doesn't have a rack, I mean, we try to not shoot the fawns. Big button bucks are tough sometimes. You think you're shooting a big doe, mm-hmm. but I mean. Yeah, ninety percent of our deer are does. Yeah, there's just so many deer down here. I was talk, we were talking about it. Uh, I don't know, quite a bit. We're just down here, and I live up in northern Iowa, where the deer population is not near as large as down here. And it's you try to tell you about it. Like, yeah, it's like it's different down here. It's not normal. Like they're, they're a problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're like well, the amount of the lady at the hotel was telling yeah, me about hitting car, hitting and the car. And, mm-hmm. Well, and you can tell it too because just looking at the topography, there's so much, so many draws and little pockets and stuff that these deer can hide in and get away where you're never going to kill all of them. You know, there's just, there's so many of them down here. It's insane. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of, and we were talking about it too, where it's like you start hunting a lot and killing a lot. And it's like, but after, after a while, when there's so many deer that, especially farmers, they start looking at them as like varmints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we all love deer hunting. Love, love deer, you know, respect. It's awesome in the pursuit and everything else, but you got to play that game where you're kind of working with the landowners and the farmers and everything else. Cause if they, if we're not doing our job as hunters and keeping the population in check, 
to make it work for everybody, then, you know, it's going to get contracted out to the government. They're going to the take we're, care of it. The only reason we're hunting down here is because of the, the farmer. Yeah. The farmers want us down here. So, yep. And we not to say no to hunt yeah. down here. So, exactly. Because we all bow hunt too. Dylan, do you bow hunt? I do not. I you don't do what I gave up on. Okay. Real quick. All right. Nice. Well, he doesn't. So, <laughs> how's it going? Okay. Good. Good. Oh, oh yeah, we've got to let the cat in. in. Huh? Guess who let him in? Derek. I left the door open. Ripping bags open. Was it really? Me out there? Shoot. Well, smooth move, Derek. I thought you were behind me. <laughs> but but yeah, so we're down here. We I just feel like as hunters, you know, we have to do our job, and if that means joining up with the Orange Army and dispatching a lot of deer, then that's what we kind of got to do. And I don't know, do you want to talk about the the other landowner that we spent the majority of the time on yesterday? Yeah, so we got a, yeah. uh, when we got down here, it'd be a son-in-law to the guy we hunt all the farms down here. He's not a big fan of deer as a farmer, and he rented a piece that has the landowner. He leases it for crops, but the landowner does not allow hunting at all i think he himself shoots two does a year or something out of it he just likes to watch bucks but um he finally sent pictures to the landowner and said we have to do something because my crops are getting destroyed it's like a 600 and some acre piece and i think there's 100 and some acres tillable and he said it's just it's getting devoured um so we were pretty excited about that it was a doe only we could not shoot bucks on this property which we're fine with i mean it's it's fun to see these deer i mean we were seeing well we can start at the beginning but we we get there with the uh renter he actually hunted with us and uh we get to the bottom and we kind of had to walk the piece because it the, where we wanted to start the deer drive was landlocked so on our way down we probably it's hard to say a number but just by what we saw there had to be 30 deer that already skirted us yeah got into the neighboring properties we couldn't hunt um, yeah so the landowner was honestly like, oh, they get, all got out and we're all kind of like, bummer. I mean, well, um, kind of before that, when we were walking down to someone got excited and yeah. the neighboring landowner yeah. that was took also hunting with us, he took a shot and um, they got nervous. They got a little nervous Sorry. down there. Yeah. Getting out, but. So when we were walking down, they all saw us and they just didn't, they just didn't stick tight and they're moving away from us and getting on the other, the other neighbor's property. Yeah. So. So we started the drives, and yeah, we we had does running right away. We got quite a few right off the bat. Thinking, I mean, we hunted this in two pieces because it's so big, and there's a lot of CRP, which is tough to do. And we only got a certain amount of guys. We can only hunt so big of pieces, so we split it in two. And we got a good amount the first drive, but uh, yeah, Dylan was in a spot. I was walking, Dylan was posting, and. They said, how many deer ran by you? I think I saw about 20 to 30, about five of them were bucks. Um, they you know let they walk by? At how close? I mean, I had two fawns that were honestly probably five yards away from me. <laughs> um, literally yelled at them and threw out a hip shot just yeah. to try it out. Missed them, but shot. <laughs> just to skirt them. Yeah, just to skirt them. Shot three doe. Your gun was jammed. At one point, I had Dylan yeah. binoculars, and there's just deer everywhere. And all of a sudden, I look back at Dylan. He's trying to fix his or put it on. Are you jammed up? Yeah. And then he jammed. Jam. Got it fixed. <laughs> shot another time. Jammed. 
you're just standing out there next to a pole. I he was pole. right he behind was a lane where two crops meet. Yeah. yeah. And that post is right in the middle of that lane. And the deer have been walking that all year. So they took that same boat or same lane and. And you were, you were on the other side yeah. of the house. But I was just glass. I see one doe standing there and all of a sudden it disappeared. And then I hear, oh, we got that one. <laughs> the other, the other person was about 200 yards to the right of me. So they didn't have any shots because they all just ran either to the right or left of me, but mm-hmm. they were big groups and they were running fast and doing was, circles. They, what well, they haven't been hunted and ever. They've never guns, been pushed. So. Well, so like they were talking about, cause it's been quite a long time since they hunted it, but these deer have never been hunted in their life. If they're living on that farm, mm-hmm. they, yes, they land on our shot two does a year. With a bow. And and I got, bow hunt. Uh, was it bow? I'm pretty sure you're the only mm-hmm. So these deer, I mean, there. You could tell they never they didn't know what to do. Well, you they, guys saw a bedded doe. Yeah. After <laughs> after we had already driven, there were so many times where they stop, they'd look at me, they'd be like, "What's going on?" You can definitely tell, like that the crops were taking a hit. Yeah, like yeah. it's mm-hmm. insane how many deer. We figured the whole hunt, me just me and Jacob, because um, he was with me the whole time, and we can only see so far. I guarantee you we saw almost 75 to 100 deer just where we were. Yeah, we were pushing. Yeah. We weren't even we weren't posting. Mm-hmm. We were in the trees. We were in the CRP. So because the crazy thing about that is when we were starting it down, we were in, this, in the timber, walking it out on his finger, and we were seeing quite a, quite a bit of deer run through, and we, t- we shot a couple in the timber too. Yeah. And when we got out, especially when we met up with Dylan, Look around like, geez, there's like three three dead does over here. Yeah. There's more over there. And like, how many did you guys see? And what did you say? You saw a run like just towards you. I was going to say, I saw, well, around 30, I would say, 30, 40. It was, it was honestly insane. And then it was even harder to pick out, okay, which one do I Well, you got to look, spike. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got to look, spike. You got to spike or yeah. a button buck or anything yeah. like that. You got to. See that horns on their head, and it's like, okay, there's a doe. It's a big, you don't know, shoot all fawns, and yeah. trying to pick out which one's big. And it's just, and like, we saw, like, me and Jacob didn't see as many, but people were telling, like, there were some big bucks that were real mm-hmm. close to a lot of people that we just couldn't touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a nice one. Yeah, there's you one just, right there. Oh, you just let them run by, you're like, oh. Yeah, that'd be bit. tough. But. Yeah, a pretty big buck ran by you, didn't it? Or, yeah, we, yeah. I, I was grunting at it, and he stopped and looked. Like 40 yards broadside. I mean, you feel like you see all the tracks, and there are some no, nice we were, big tracks in there. Oh, yeah. We kind of want to hunt this again someday. Well, so. it kind of sucks you can't shoot bucks, but the only reason we're there is it's, because uh, he's letting us shoot does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it helps. And all the meat out of this farm was going to some Amish families. Yeah. Yep. So the more we got, the more deer they got. They were pretty excited. Well, and the thing is, too, like down here, if, um, if you're helping out, a landowner or a farmer by taking care of some of the problems that he has with deer. And it's like, that builds a re- like a reputation and a respect between landowners and hunters. So the landowners and farmers, they get to see what's happening with it and say, okay, we want more of that. So it just brings, in my opinion, a lot of this stuff does bring a whole grand. You know, there's a lot of people out there, especially bow hunters and other people that have their own land. They do it their, their own way, which is great. You know, I'm not, Opposed to any of this, but it's like out here, just for the average guy getting on, getting some permission land and helping out some farmers, like shooting a 
bunch of deer and they're like andy was just tickled and once we started shooting deer he's just he was smiling ear to yeah. ear he's like you guys have are saving me thousands and thousands of dollars a year just well, by taking out these deer even meeting random like people around here they're like how many deer did you get or did you get any deer and they always say get many, more they're like keep killing them keep keep shoot them all yeah right them all yeah well, the landowner we hunt here he and i think he's low on his number but he says he thinks deer cost him over thirty thousand dollars in damages and crop eaten every year every year yep and that is Insane. I mean, that's a teacher's salary, dude. Yeah. You know, so it's like, that's, oh yeah, you're a teacher, Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not even the piece that we just hunted. I guarantee Andy loses way more, more than that. Oh yeah. Cause he, he, I mean, that spot is above average. Uh, I'd say. Well, above I've average. never seen anything like that. No. We've hunted here a long time. We've never seen no. anything. No. 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 I've, hunted, it's not healthy. Yeah. No, it's unhealthy. It's bad for everyone. Disease. It's bad for the, yeah, it's bad for the, Landowners that's losing, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year. Well, you're leasing the place to farm, and then yeah, you're paying someone to farm it, and then you're losing money to deer. Yeah, if I was paying for a hunting lease, I'd be like, this is great, but it's not a hunting lease; it's a farm. Like he's trying to he his he gets his livelihood by you know farming corn and beans, and they're just out there smashing it. So yeah, I could see we're asking like, what do your end rows look like? And he's just like, what, what end rows? Like they're they're non-existent. So yeah, he says his end rows will do half of what it should at least. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. You think about it. We spend how much on insecticide? Yeah, I mean, it's a pet. They're pests. Yeah, after a while, they're definitely pests. When there's this many, but it's yeah. not common everywhere. It's yeah. just like mm-hmm. down here in certain spots. It's it's insane. It's just not. The disease is just going to come. If it would come in that area, which it is around, um, it's going to wipe them all. I mean. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, I don't know. This is what was it? I know a lot of people like to poo-poo on gun hunters and especially deer drives and stuff. And, you know, I, I've gone back and forth with it myself. I've talked about on this podcast quite a bit, too. Like, if I could, you know, I always said if uh, we had this rifle season and no deer drives, then I'd be okay with that. But in certain areas, but honestly, being down here, it's like I understand because deer drives, dude. They it they kill deer. Yeah, that's the way it is. That's the only. That's the way it is. Like you need to thin the herd, and the most effective way to do it is to have some people walk through timber and other people post it up in the fields and shoot them when they're on the trot. Which a lot of people, you know, sucks. And um, so it's calling me. <laughs> that's unfortunate. I think we're still recording, but you know, it's one of those things where um. All right, let me see if I can more of this. There we go. Okay. What was I saying? I don't remember. Oh, yeah, deer drives and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it sucks, you know, like when you kind of go back and forth. But, yeah, deer drives do kill deer. And when you have a problem with deer as a farmer, then you want deer dead. Well, this, this is, is that's the best, most effective way to do it. What we're doing is I call it depredation hunting. Yeah. It's not – we're not – I mean, we are deer hunting – but we're also like we're, we are helping these farmers. Yeah, and it's not like the it's not, like, especially what's popular in podcasting world, especially like hunting podcast stuff. It's like, yeah, you know, I have all these trail cameras. I'm targeting a specific buck and doing all these things in order to get closer to this, um, yeah, whatever caliber buck you're trying to chase. That's not what this is about. This is you're definitely not targeting any specific buck or anything like that. Yeah. You're targeting just deer in general. But there's always a chance. There's always that you chance. Know. You never know when there's a big one that's going to come out that draw mm-hmm. and go right up to you. So, no, it's, it's cool and it's fun. And I, I love doing it. I grew up doing it as a kid and stuff. But we were doing it just like what you said, Derek. You know, up in Northern Iowa, we don't have the population that they do down here. 
So, you know, when we're out there, we only have our NASX tag and no doe tag. So it's like, well, you know, we're buck hunting until the last day and then it's just fill your tag. And I feel like that's what bow hunters get more mad about. Like I can see that, yeah. Shooting smaller bucks. Yeah, we, we, we screw up. Mm-hmm. If you see a deer, they look big on the hoof sometimes. There is some ground shrinkage when you're gun hunting. But, I mean, another nice thing, like everyone thinks you injure a lot of deer during this too. Oh, yeah. Yep. I want to talk about that. We, in my me personally, I've shot a lot of deer down here of 50, 60, 70 plus probably over the years. I have had one deer I've hit that I never found. Mm-hmm. Like we, it doesn't happen too often. You hit one, you're going to find it because blood, first of all, these, these straight walls, they open them up. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to get back on them. We make sure we find them. I mean, we take our due diligence. We find them. Mm-hmm. Like it, we haven't lost one this whole trip. I haven't Not seen, one. I haven't seen one get lost. Like, after we, especially at the big piece, you know, even is those only was like, you know, we'd go through and I mean, after the hunt was, after the hunt was over, we went through with a, a game yeah, side by side and we went back through and collected all the deer that we know where, yeah. where they are. It took us longer to get them all than it did to actually do the hunt. Yeah. Oh yeah. Probably the hardest part about these type of hunts is the safety. You got to know mm-hmm. your crew yeah. and yeah. we have a really good crew for a while there Back in the day, I know some of the older guys, like, didn't hunt. This was their only time they hunted. You had to worry a little bit, but we have a really good crew of guys here that we we plan on the maps. We do a prayer before we leave. We um, just, I mean, it ain't worth it. It's to uh, shoot at somebody or shoot even close to anybody. Mm-hmm. So, and we're, it's pretty big area. So you're pretty spread out and you know where everyone's at. Most of us sit in the same spots year after year after year. So you know exactly where you can shoot. Mm-hmm. We've never really had too many close. I mean, every once in a while, of course, you might hear a, a whiz or something, but like me and well, we Jake heard one. heard one and we looked over and be cool. Was, I knew it was be cool and he wasn't even close to us. No, he's shooting. You just hear it. He's shooting away from us, but we ADR, still hear his, yeah. right? It's a ways away, but we still yeah. heard it. So you, just because you hear it was, doesn't mean it's yeah. anywhere close to you. But I know that might make people a little unnerved, yeah. you know, hearing that, but it's just the way is you just, like you said, I was, we're going through like, oh, who's that over there? Like, where they, you know, where they pointing at or whatever. And like, oh, it's, that's, Chef over there. Like, yeah. I trust him with my life. Yeah. Like, he's good. Like, okay, cool. Like, I'm, I don't know. He's, I'm, yeah. I met every, all you guys. Well, I met Derek and Dalton in a while ago, but I met Dylan yesterday. I met B. Cool yesterday. I met everyone Everybody yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I didn't, I didn't know because my experience with gun hunting, especially my dad and I, we used to hunt with a pretty large group back at home. It was my uncle and it was like a lot of family and then some friends and whatnot. But that group, it's got a little bit out of hand. There's a lot of, cowboys out there that thought they were they needed to shoot a, shoot anything anything for some reason and it started getting unsafe so my dad and i were just like screw this we're, we're done like we're done doing this let's go home by ourselves so my dad and i we went out by ourselves one year and then we go with like my buddy matt and his dad and we did that for a few years you know it's like we're just gonna hunt small groups because those bigger groups get out of hand but if you have if you know everyone in the group and you trust everybody in the group then you, it can definitely be done very safely well how many deer do you think i could have shot that, oh yeah, and I didn't even, double. Uh, there was times like you couldn't see orange, but it's like I know somebody is on this fence line somewhere. I I mm-hmm. was not shooting. I, I within fifty yards, there's probably fifteen twenty. Yeah, I could have shot. Yep. I mean, I got that footage of them does coming in, and they came by, and they stopped what broadside 40, at forty, 40 yards, yards broadside. And I'm like, them. and I said, I even said on camera, like, you can shoot them. He's like, I don't know 
if there's anyone directly over there, I'm like, okay. Well, no, there's no one behind us. So yeah. if they get behind me, I can shoot. And of course they go the wrong way. I can't shoot them anyways, yep. but it's just, yeah, it's not worth it if you don't know or if you don't know, don't shoot. Yeah. That's yep. kind of our philosophy. It turns out when we went over there, there was nobody over there. So you could have shot, yeah. but you didn't know. Mm-hmm. So you didn't know for certain if someone was off where they were supposed to be or, and as a new place. So we didn't yep. have it all super dialed in, yep. like you said before. So, so. If we get it year after year, you kind of figure it out. Like mm-hmm. I know no one's here and stuff like that. And that's also a good thing with a group, you know, is that, you know, that guy's not going to move. Like he is posting here. That's where he stays. Yep. Absolutely. No, it's, it's definitely, uh, one of those things where, um, I never really, I don't know. I shouldn't say never. I never really thought about going out like gun season again. I, I was been, I've been doing late muzzleloader and then early muzzleloader this year. I'm like, I don't know. For one, I just didn't have a group that I found that I trusted. And if you're just out there, especially if you're hunting like public and stuff, oh, like I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to never do this on public. Yeah. Land. Never do this on public, but people do, they do. drive yeah. public land and I would never make me being me as like, if I go get a gun tag, I'm not going to go just sit on some public and wait for a deer drive to come through and they don't know I'm there, you know? So I'm not going to do that because wow, screw that dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll go out during Lake Muzzle. Safe. You hope yeah. you're safe and yeah, uh, I don't know. I just, I know a lot of people do it because it's the only land they have. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, now down here, it's just, it's a totally different ball game, even from Western Iowa where there's, I mean, there's big deer, but just not the numbers mm-hmm. and down here. We, we figured on that piece, we hunted doe only. We were just guesstimating, but there had to be plus or minus 10 does to every buck we saw. I bet oh, it was yeah. more than that. 10, yeah, it was it. 10 to 20 does per buck. Mm-hmm. So it that's was, how it Like the neighboring properties you feel like oh i bet they're pissed they see the orange army coming in and they hear all the shots and i'm sure they're mad yeah but in the long run i know like if they knew what we were doing we are definitely helping that herd mm-hmm. i think so for sure we're helping the herd and the farmer yep well we're not shooting the neighbor's bucks either yeah yep yeah exactly still it was the only there but mm-hmm. we'll be helping the neighbors but i think we'll see some of them we'll see how hard those bucks are chasing fighting just to get all those spread deer bread. Mm-hmm. Like they're killing themselves. Well, and bucks are inherently selfish during the rut. They, they all want them. They're, they'll fight over one doe that's receptive. And it's like, when there's that many receptive does, they, they, maybe they can't get us however many properly bred. Then they're out fighting and they're doing this. They're running around. They're running rampant. They're running themselves in the dirt mm-hmm. for two months or more just to get them all bred. Probably even more. The population that was there, like there's probably does coming back into estrus in December. Oh, yeah. And then they're picking back up. They're like, okay, I guess I can't eat yet. I better go do this again. And they're just running themselves down in the dirt. What's crazy to me is we hunted one piece. It was, what, 700 acres? In that yeah. area or whatever. Yeah. And we yeah. saw that many deer. And that's just right there. I mean, that's imagine. That's 700 acres. Imagine what it's the like for miles down the road. I mean, there's. We figured there's got to be so well over 1,000 mm-hmm. deer within a couple miles of that place. Mm-hmm. They sell. What? How many is it? And. Davis County. Doe tags? Yeah. I don't so, know what it is. It's like 2,500. I think it's, it's 2,500, but they never sell out. I remember a while back I saw it was like 1,300. And that mm-hmm. was, I think, at the beginning mm-hmm. when I first started mm-hmm. hunting. Now there's, and now they're well more over that. Yeah. It's, they never sell out. Did you just give out our county? Oh, what? Did you just give out the county? Oh, yeah. You telling people? <laughs> Oopsies. <laughs> get no, I you get anyway. I you're good. No, you're good. You can't hunt our ground, so I don't yeah. keep that down. So. 
was, I mean, it's one of those things like down Southern Iowa, the much, honestly, just the majority of the counties down Southern yeah. Iowa that you don't sell, even where I do hunt a lot up in like the Northeast area, those doe tags never get sold out. Either. How many doe tags do you have in your county? My county? I think like a hundred, right. maybe. Yeah. Where we're from, Northwest Iowa, zero. zero. You mm-hmm. cannot shoot a doe in our county. I don't even know what the closest county that has. It's past the county, yeah. It's way. It's zero. Yeah, you can't hunt there. No. So in the no- when you're talking the northern region of Iowa, I think it's not my county west, is my county is the most western side that still has doe tags, and we just started implementing doe tags not too long ago. Yeah. So I because I think the next county to our west they have no doe tags. If I'm not mistaken, and I could be wrong. Kind of that whole sure. Northwest, I think. Yeah, yeah they're just not the numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, we not. get excited to see a deer like driving around. We'll stop the road every time they see a deer. We'll stop. Mm-hmm. And then down here, when you see two two hundred and one feet, it's like this is totally insane. They're, it's nuts. Yeah, they're just rabbits down here. It's, crazy. it's nuts, and that's what attracts a lot of hunters and stuff. And more and more people are coming here and buying up land and everything else to hunt. But how many people shoot does too? Well, that's the thing. Right. If you're yeah. a non-resident, you're not shooting a doe. No. No, there's a lot of non-resident landowners well, down here. Yeah. If you're not from here, you're not shooting. Well, a non-resident can't get a landowner tag anyways, but. No. They, they can get, uh, I think they can get doe tags, one doe tag every year. Well, I can buy a doe tag every year. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yep. As a non-resident, not even a landowner. Yeah. I think, well, I th- and I think landowner, okay, and maybe, maybe they can get. An additional doe tag, but you're not doing anything to that. No. If you if that's your spot and you're like, I'm managing this just for me, and you're not like selling any hunts or getting a resident in there that can get basically unlimited doe tags to manage the herd with you. That's like good. Well, I don't even dude. think residents down here shoot that many does. I mean, there's I people so. that do, like the juries you were talking, they kill a lot of does. And yep. I mean, essentially, what we're doing quite a bit about Perry because he told me yeah. how many does they kill, and I don't want to get the number, but they kill a lot of does. And and everyone else that I talked to in the bow hunting community, especially, they're like, "Yeah, you have to manage the does." Like, okay, yeah, you do. Yeah, and it's the best really- way to do it is with guns. Yeah, and you know, lots so, of more people. Yeah, and that's why I look at bow hunting. Like, I love bow hunting. I, I consider myself a bow hunter, but it's one of those things where it's like it's more effective if you need to. Yeah. Thin the herd a bit. It's the, mo- the most effective way to do it is with a gun. So mm-hmm. there's just different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. The juries, they have the time. They can sit in a blind and shoot a lot of does. Yep. We have two days. We got two days. Yep. So we use the numbers and we do it smartly. We know the areas and we, we kill a good amount of, there's better years than most. This new piece helped us out this year is actually really slow. There was EHD in our couple of our first places. We actually usually shoot quite a few deer out of there we at least see probably mm-hmm. 50 deer yeah this year i don't know if we saw over 10 yeah well and what, uh it's funny too because after those first couple of spots we all got back and almost everyone you know, as they said like well it's hey man maybe we need to give this a break for a yeah. year or two you know and just let it let it come back we yeah. have that's the thing like a lot some people i've talked to about gun hunting stuff they're like they just want to go they just go out and kill everything which some do maybe they go out there and they don't care and they just want to shoot everything that moves kind of thing. I'm not saying there's not people like that. There's people like that in every, every style of hunting you want to do. But as far as this group goes, it's like, well, we say that and then we tell the landowner, we're going to give it a break. And he's going to be like, heck no, you're no, not. Yeah, you're sure. doing exactly what I want you to do. Yeah. The deer hunter and us want to, we want to kill big bucks while we're down here, of course, too. Mm-hmm. So we want to, I mean, it's really tough. I mean, I'm used to being a one thirty is pretty big for me, but then the guy that bow hunts down here that lets us hunt his ground, is passing 150s with his bow. So it's, it, you try to, I don't know, what do you call it? Uh, 
if he asks you to pass it. You try to do your best and not shoot one forty, one thirty, but that's tough too. It is, yeah, it's tough it's for a big deal. It's, it's even tough for me to do, dude. It's a big deal I'm, for anybody. I'm not quite there in my life where I can look at a one forty and be like, nah, nah, another, not, not my style. You know, <laughs> just yeah, not quite there yet. Someday, so, you want to give out like how like what we did yesterday, like a number? Yeah. So the piece we doe hunted, uh, we racked up twenty eight does. Mm-hmm. and two and a half hours and that, that i mean that's not normal no that's uh, yeah that's our best by far we've probably ever done that i mean best is kind of but, a bad word to say probably not, than that but we help I mean, but like you the landowner was so on a, on a depredation hunt that's not yeah, bad the, so. the landowner was so happy like mm-hmm. and the sad thing is it probably didn't put a dent in it's gonna have to be a couple of years of that mm-hmm. before a, anything um, well, but these deer, that, the reason why we got that many is because the deer had never been hunted. They were doing circles. They were stopping, looking at us. I mean, any piece here or that we have hunt normally every year, they they see us, they take off. These deer mm-hmm. were circling us. Yeah. They never know what they needed. It needed to be done. And hopefully we can get another next year and the year after and we can keep helping. Yeah. I mean, it's, now we're talking to him a little bit. And it sounded like when the DNR went in there and did their, um, depredations, every yeah, depredation and research. See how many tags he gets. I think they, didn't you say that he's going to get 30 tags every, every year? Every year. Next next three years. Three years. So yep. 90 depredation tags on that farm yep. the next three years. So that's pretty. And we didn't have to tag a deer. I mean, it's all, I mean, to be, of course we tagged them, but with depredation tags, we didn't have to use our own. The farmer gets the tags and we get to use every single one of those. So mm-hmm. it's, and that's the other thing too. A lot of people uh, I've talked to before too, and you know I've gone back and forth on it myself. You know, it's party hunting. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, being able to go out and you know shoot someone else's tag. Well, it's the only reason I can come that. down here. Yeah, I can buy a doe tag because I'm from South Dakota, and I get to hunt with the group yet, and I can still shoot Jacob's buck mm-hmm. and take his tag. Yeah, or Dylan's or Dalton's. And that's the other reason why you hunt with people that you know and you yeah see, so, respect and understand. Where it's like. I wouldn't have a problem tag like putting my buck tag on. I'm gonna give up that you shoot. Yeah, a like, lot of shit too. He's yeah. like, oh, he's little or he's not big enough for my tag. Or oh, something yeah, like that. it's got, we give each other a lot yeah. of shit down here. But or if he's really big, then yeah, I'll put my yeah, tag on. That's him. mine. <laughs> yeah, I also shot at him. Yeah, you're a quarter mile away, dude. <laughs> yeah. But so. no, it's it, it, the party hunting thing. I think is um, also kind of misunderstood. Yeah, I think, and I, like I said, I've gone back and forth with it myself. It's honestly, kinda, it is there's a lot of law. Yeah, there's a lot of conflicting stuff that I've had personally, like personally, battle internally. Well, like, like we've been saying, is this right? Time. Is this not right? Is this okay? Is this not okay? Almost, is this ethical? Is this not ethical? Like that's the concept of battle. It's the only it, he was the only animal in the animal kingdom that has that type of introspection. Yeah. So no, it's and it's definitely location based too. Like. Party hunting down here is totally different than party hunting like where I'm from in Northwest Iowa. Mm-hmm. Like we do the same stuff, but down here it's it's just like the the numbers. It's a numbers game. Mm-hmm. Up, up there they're killing literally four corns just mm-hmm. to get their buck tag on it because they can't shoot does. And down here, we're I mean, our biggest thing is shoot as many does as you can. Mm-hmm. Like of course I come down here because I can have an opportunity. Like we have a one that we're what, 20 feet away from 196 inch deer we killed party hunting mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Yeah. Like they're out there, but, uh, 
Yeah, the, the, so, the only reason we're down here is the farmers want us to kill deer. Mm-hmm. How does that work with a non-resident doe tag? Then is it county specific? Yeah, yes. so I have to buy a uh, Davis County uh, doe tag, and it used to be. Yeah, you already used it. You already did it. Yeah, but you did give away county. Usually, there's around ninety they give out. This year, they dropped it down. It was in the thirties or fifties, somewhere down there. So it's about mine will twenty. Four left. Twenty-four left. So there's a quota. Third mm-hmm. last day. One time. Where are you from, Dylan? Omaha. Okay. Well, I'm from the style area, but yeah, well, you reside in Nebraska yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. Nebraska. Should live in a county Iowa side. But is it just first come first serve then? Yep. Okay. And we have bought it where I, I always fall. I buy, I buy mine as early as you can. Yeah, Dylan buys his like November. He bought his yeah. just two days ago. Oh really? <laughs> but uh, yeah. How many were left? 24. Oh, so. We've had it before. We've had it before. We're Be Cool and Healing bought the second to last and last tag available. Yeah. So I don't know why this year there's less tags and less people applied. I don't hmm. know. I'm Do guessing you, that you have all, to apply for it or is no, it just you buy it? Not apply. Yeah, okay. Just gotcha. First come, first serve. So. Okay. Gotcha. I don't really know how that stuff works. Still, residents $500 for a doe tag. So I'm contra- Yeah. Contribution. You can feather hunt though, right? Yeah. It comes with the. Uh, I license. Guess, yeah, license, hunting license, you license, license, habitat fee, and the tag. Yeah, yeah she does too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and there's always a chance we always try to get bobcats down here too if their quota hasn't been met and we got a fur bearer. So yeah. mm-hmm. we haven't seen one. We haven't seen one. We did get a coyote. I've seen lots of coyotes. Yeah, yesterday I think the total number between all we hunted three pieces. We've got uh, right around 35 deer down. So yeah, which for for me too, that's Nuts. It's insane. It's a lot of deer. Yeah. How many of them are bucks? Four. Four. More mm-hmm. bucks. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. And yeah, one of them I shot. Of course, we talked about it. I mean, there's three bucks pretty much we shot yeah. at to shoot because it was a yeah. good buck. Mine mm-hmm. was more of a. Well, we thought we were doing the right thing. Yeah. So I still think we were doing I, the right I, thing. I'm guys, not mad I shot it. We no. never fill our buck tags. I, we have never once with all the guys filled all of our buck tags. Don't argue that, but. We almost did one time. Yeah, and that was, that was, I'm sure, it's a really good year. Because we were, well, no, it was the last day, and I remember, how many buck tags did we have? And we were, I think we had three left. That was a mighty long ago, wasn't it? But that wasn't too long ago. That was a year. We were not here. Yeah, yeah, I was here. We mounted like five and had. We were starting to get worried about. That was a good year. But yeah, we not were. too often do we kill oh, a lot of bucks. Mm-hmm. If we kill three really nice bucks, it's a good year. Mm-hmm. So, yep. I mean, they're out we, there. We miss a lot of bucks. We used to pile them up in a trailer on the way home and put all the bucks on top so everyone on the interstate could see them. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'd pull into Casey's and everyone would be taking pictures. Oh, yeah. Back the we used to uh, butcher all of our own deer. Yeah. And mm-hmm. We'd bring them all home to Northwest Iowa and spend a whole day butchering. And now we have, uh, there's some Amish families that want a lot of deer. And there's a Mennonite family that uh, wants them for the Hush program. So a lot of us kill deer before this, so we already have deer meat, so we can donate how many to the families in the mm-hmm. program. Yeah, that's, that's one thing that we learned when we were in Africa, too, where it's like, you know, we talk to people and we're like, talking about Africa, and they're like, oh, you get to bring the meat home? We said, no. And they're like, oh, well, that sucks. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I would love, to, I would have loved to bring some home, but at the same time, like, it's pretty nice. It's pretty, it's pretty cool to see that hunting and who, everything that hunting helps um just especially out there yeah especially out in south africa where it's so poor and like getting some protein in them is like 
a godsend. Mm-hmm. I'll just think and even here, you know, like the Hush program is hunt, help, help us stop hunger, isn't it? Because that was called that it, sounds, something like that. Sounds good if it's not. Yeah, I think that's what it stands for. And say it's one a of lot of it goes to homeless shelters. Yeah, yeah, homeless shelters make probably a bunch of chili and mm-hmm. stews and stuff. I don't know. But Another thing that happens: soup kitchens. The DNR love us down here. They haven't come yet, but every year we have yeah, twenty to forty deer dead, and they come and take brain samples of every single deer for CWD. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've never had it in our group before, but they usually they. I mean. Hopefully someone shoots one and brings it in for them so they can test them. Well, they're testing multiple deer and we tell them where we shot that deer, um, which count or which not county, which farm. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of know if, if one would test positive, this is where it came from. We have to watch that area. Mm-hmm. And so they test all of them. That's the other thing too. The, the only way to stay ahead of CWD and diseases like that is by, you know, the only way to get it. A sample is by killing them. Yeah. You can't take a sample from a live deer mm-hmm. to see, and they just, test it. Yeah. When you can test 20, some 30 at once, yeah. it saves them a lot of time. And mm-hmm. now sure does. Unless it's a big buck, we don't want them cutting into that, that thing. But right. Everything else gets tested. How do they do that? Have you seen them? Yeah. yeah they take a swab. Is it? They cut the brain open. Is it? Oh, you right there with skull? Yeah. All right. Do the brain and I don't know if they like suction it out. It's, it's like a. Yeah, it is. Do they, yeah. do they just like they cut it, it with like, like a, a sawzall, or yeah. they drill through? Cut with a sawzall. Okay. One's cut and one's got. It looks like a Q-tip kind of thing, and they mm-hmm. swab and put it in a little flask. Hmm. So, is there any other way to get it? Like, if you did kill a big buck, you're like, dude, I want to no, mount this thing. I don't think they've never done our bucks that were because they asked no. every time. One time they actually screwed up and did one of the bucks we're going to mount, and we're like, no, <laughs> it wasn't mine, but I think it was Daniel's. Yeah, it was. It was his old sucker that looked sick. He was kind of non-typical. Yeah. And uh, he wasn't like a giant, but he was a cool rack. He was going to mount him. I think he did end up getting another cape, but yeah, they saw us all ready to do him. <laughs> uh, what do you do? I wish he wanted to come tell stories. Yeah. But we smoke him. Go get him. Go get him. Well, Daniel. No. I think that's new. Probably. Yeah. That sounds like the TV went off. But yeah, I don't know. Um, and then. Plan for tonight is to go out and just yeah. So what? we we've just hunted Saturday and today's Sunday. We hunted this morning. We've only we only got a couple. We usually do our best hunts on Saturday, but there's we don't have enough time for all the land we can hunt mm-hmm. down here because it's especially with that new piece this year. Yeah, yeah. Without that, we usually hit everything. But when we heard we can, how many deer were there? You ain't passing that up. No. No, yes, so, no, we got some good pieces this afternoon that we can shoot bucks on, so it makes you get a little more even excited. Yeah. Just the fact that you get to shoot. Like some some years you might not get to shoot a lot. Yeah. There's years I you, never shot. If you post up a lot. Or Unless you buy a new gun that breaks. Yeah. No, yeah. It breaks, you just don't get to shoot. Because like, almost everybody. Nice that everyone got to shoot at that piece. Yeah, I don't know mm-hmm. if you've got a guy that hasn't shot this year. No, they can shoot. I mean, I've gotten. I've shot <laughs> three times with a broken gun, so. Jammed up every time. Let's talk about that. You talk about that. Okay. You tell me what happened. <laughs> so uh, one thing I one, one thing I have realized going down here is that four fifties and three fifties are super super popular, especially in the AR platform. Yeah. Um, but what a lot of people are seeing is like with an AR platform, a lot of people hate them because they're like, oh, they're uh, you know, they're not very reliable and all sorts of stuff. But they they are a reli- very reliable gun if you know and if you know about them. if you kind of know what you're doing with them and so we were down here Derek's uh your 450 that you let dylan use yeah dylan didn't have a like well he used to use slug 
Oh, Those are first okay. year not using a slug gun, right? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll go back. Yeah. 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 <laughs> his is jamming up quite a bit. And Derek's his started jamming up quite a bit towards the yeah. end. Dalton's, you had some malfunctions with yours. We'll talk about that a little bit. But the biggest thing is like you have to lube them up. And when I grab the <laughs> All of them. All of them. I was like, dude, these are dry. Dry. Drier than a popcorn fart. Well, dude. Like, they still had the they still have the packing grease. Packing grease. Yeah, I'm like, dude, did you ever clean this thing or lube it up? And you're like, mm, no. Just bought an AR and bought and bullets in it. And bought and go. Zeroed it in and went to town. I'm like, jeez. So I took them apart and looped them up for them. Then started running a few cycles, just going back and forth. And they they feel very so much now. Better. So much better. And then yeah, Dalton, like, and that is one thing about the AR, like an AR platform is that there is a lot of moving parts. It's semi-auto and there's a lot of, a lot of shit in there. But, uh, Yours, your buffer spring, the little um, post that comes up to hold the buffer spring mm-hmm. in place, and then, that broke. There's just no. That was well, the spring well, underneath yeah. that post was it broke? That keeps tension on that. That mm-hmm. that, that snapped spring and snapped in half. Well, the spring landed in my. Well, it could have broken. The spring snapped in half because it wasn't that um, post wasn't stand out. Yeah. So they those if anyone knows what I'm talking about. If has an AR. Open it up, take that back pin out of your lower receiver, pull it out, and open it up. And you'll see in the in the butt stock there'll be a buffer spring, a big thick spring. There'll be a little little post sticking up that's holding that buffer spring in place. Yours, for whatever reason, whatever and I don't know what it is. I'm not an armorer. Brand new gun. He bought it. Yeah. Ago. For some reason that that post, whatever's hold like holds it in place, broke and is sticking up way higher than it should have been and then it well, jammed up not the, right away <laughs> right away it wasn't even in there and we found it it was in there before but it, it had a broke so, yeah okay so then when you're shooting and stuff then that ended up working its way out and then it, yeah. and then it got jammed up in your bolt carrier group mm-hmm. which ended up keeping the bolt carrier too far back where it wouldn't go into full battery yep so it was stuck in your Basically in your butt stock. Yeah. So you couldn't even open it up to look at it anymore. We need to open it up one time, but that's when it, and that's when it fell out. The little nipple fell out and ended up in your trigger group. When it, we opened that up, looking there, like, oh, there's that. Let's pull that out. Got that out with the springs, the little tiny springs that go in there. And we tried pushing it back down in there, but whatever it's holding that, that post should hold that down. Down is not there. Yeah, now what it is. So. That got all jacked up, and it's still jacked up right now. So, but I brought two guns, so got the forty-five seventy. Yep, <laughs> Only yep. seventy bucks a box. And that is one thing I'll say. I love ARs, like and everything else. I, I think you know, it's freedom. You know, we should have, you will have and stuff too. But you just do some research on them before you. What are you saying? Start blasting. Um, saying you should. Do wish, more wish, research had, it was zeroed in. I wish we had yeah. a friend who could tell us that we needed. Well, we buy these guns. Well, for this tr- this is literally the only time we use these guns. We don't yeah. even think about it until we grab it. Literally, literally four seven, I mean, a couple days before. <laughs> Derek did call me. Like, is it zeroed it in? You're like, hey man, like this, it's, it's jamming up pretty good. Like, what's going on? Like, well, did you have you like cleaned them and lubed them or anything? He's like, no. Like, well, you gotta take out that back pin that under your lower receiver. And the bolt carrier group, like, okay, cool, sounds good, man. And then he hung up. He never did it. I lubed it. I just didn't open the gun. No, you squirted it on there, which <laughs> yeah. just goes on the outside. If it doesn't get down, hey, in the I, I can clean a shotgun really well. Yeah, that's how I look. So that's what I'm saying. If you're yeah, going to get, get an AR platform, right. yeah, if you're going to get an AR platform for anything, then Don't make sure you know what you're doing a little bit, or find something that does so I can teach you because it is easier to 
teach when you're when you can show them and we're just so used to i mean we shoot shotgun bolt action so we're like you literally pull them out of the box you clean them you shoot them you clean them you shoot them you clean them yep air is a little different thing gets dirty yeah i didn't know why like why don't they come lubed rust yeah so they they sit in a gun shop so they they come with like packing grease on them so that packing grease it's a thin layer of grease but yeah it's just for rust prevention and stuff in storage, like that's how you store them. Storm, yeah. Now they say so when you're like, we're, we're idiots. It's yeah, just, but you, you don't know. What you, you don't know what you don't know. Like I was working at this local gun shop a little bit. I worked there. I worked there a couple of times in my life just to help out. And I had one old guy. He said, "Yeah, I bought this 1911 from here, and it's just not shooting. Like it just keeps jamming up on me." I'm like, oh, really? So I grabbed him. Like um, when you when you bought it, did you take it home and take it apart a little bit and clean it? And everything? he's like, "No." I'm like, "Okay." So I tried pulling it, like pulling it back, and I was like, "Man, that is not good. It's just stuck. Like it really stuck. It really put a lot of force behind it." So I took his 19 part, and he saw the packing grease on his, and I cleaned all the packing grease off and lubed it up for him, put it back together, and it worked like a charm. And I told him, "Like, yeah, dude, that packing grease when you start shooting it, it gets hot. It turns into glue. It's terrible." Well, it's kind of like bow hunting too. I don't know if it was on your podcast or Kurt's or whatever, but someone was saying. A buddy of theirs was shooting deer at the, I don't think he ever shot at a deer, but he's using field points because he didn't know that broadheads. Well, really? Yeah. I can't remember. Who, I think no, Douglas, I. I can't remember, but someone was saying, yeah, he uh, was talking to a guy and he was practicing and he had in the tree stand field points. Oh no. He just didn't know. Yeah. Like if you don't know, you don't know. No. I, I mean, I had it a, sounds stupid because yeah. we know, mm-hmm. but I didn't have that situation. I mean, when I first started bowing, um, my buddy, he learned everything that he knew about bowing from his brother. And I was going out with my first year. I went out with a recurve because that's all I had. And I didn't know what to do. So I was just like, I just Googled, like, what's the best broadhead? And it's all opinions, but it can't be. Was he? No, it was a rage hypodermic. So I'm like, oh, cool. cool. So I bought it back. And I wanted the recurve. And I went, oh, out, yeah, I went out a no. few times with, with <laughs> I didn't shoot anything. But I'm walking around with freaking rage hypodermics on my recurve. <laughs> if you don't know, and then you I don't went, know. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. And yeah. luckily I didn't shoot anything. And I was, I don't know, for some reason I was doing some more research on like traditional honey, like bows. And one of the, is like a archery talk or something yeah. like that. They're on there. Yeah. If you, cause someone asked that question, like, can you use expandables with the, trad bow and everyone's like are you stupid yeah and i'm like so then i'm like yeah i guess i am i guess i am dumb glad i went on the forum and it uh, yeah yeah so i immediately took them off and i just bought yeah i think i bought a um like some montex yeah and i ended up killing a deer not with that recurve right just shooting with my buddy's compound but man yeah it's like one of those things like you don't know what you don't know you don't know unless you ask the stupid well, questions when you're first starting hunting and everything else too like not as you know we're first starting hunting, but when i first started bow hunting i I didn't ask the dumb questions. I just was like, yeah, I'll figure yeah. it out. Well, this makes a lot of sense. First year, they went to straight wall. Uh, we didn't have very many, but the second year, pretty much everyone came down with ARs. Mm-hmm. And every single person's gun jammed yep. multiple times. So I don't think anybody, like we don't buy ARs, maybe coyotes. That's about the only reason we would own an yeah. AR before you could use them now for deer. And uh, that makes a lot of sense because... Yeah, we didn't all bought brand new guns. Didn't take off the packing grease and mm-hmm. them. Yeah, and I, I've taken. I gotta tell you guys, I've taken apart and put back together probably thousands of ARs or M4s just because being in the army, we had to take ours apart all the time, constantly and clean them and everything else. And they're really obviously very stringent on their 
especially when you're an infantryman, it's like you need to make sure your gun's gonna malf- not going to malfunction because if it does while you're in war, then that's not good. Obviously. You clean your AR like barrel yeah. and everything. Um, so I don't really like you thought like a barrel snake or Just, something like that. Yeah, no, not not a whole lot. Um, I really don't. I mean, now that I'm out of the army, I really don't clean my air a whole lot. I just loop, keep it looped just up. Loop the metal just on keep metal. it looped up and stuff. But I will stick my finger in like the star chamber and check it. And if it's like really extra black, like, like I'll probably, I'll probably take my AR part and just take it all the way down to as like field strip it as far down as I know, you know, clean all the carbon off probably every thousand rounds or so. Okay. And then I'll put it all back together and lube everything back up. Then I'll store it my safe and do that thing. But about every thousand rounds or so, I'll take it apart and just take everything. I'll take the bolt carrier group apart and take everything apart and clean everything up. I'm just scared. I don't know anything about them. I'm yeah. scared to take them apart, honestly. Like, am I going to put it back together right? Or am I going to lose a piece and not know I lost something? Well, look at those little springs that I that have. little spring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of moving parts in those guns. And if you guys want to, it won't take long. Well, if you want me to, I can... Well, I can take it, you can record it or something like that. Yeah. Take it apart. I'll take your know, gears apart and take it down and I'll show you how to field strip it down to what I know how and then put uh, it back together. Well, I asked you. Well, so that's the thing. If you, anymore, if you do a how, like if you show this oh, yeah. assembly of a oh, yeah. on YouTube, they, they, they'll flag you and ban you. So. Well, I even asked you. I got, you. I, got, I got labeled as a freaking domestic terrorist, dude. <laughs> there you go. Well, I asked you if I take the upper off to clean it, is it going to be on yet? Yeah. Like to me, like. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And you said I'm an idiot. But <laughs> Well, I mean, it's attached to your... Upper, it should, so should be on, but I always worried. Like, that's honestly the reason we didn't take it apart when you told us mm-hmm. to, because we just sighted it in. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to take this completely apart and lube everything if we got her dead on mm-hmm. right now. So. Yeah, I know a lot. I know I have a few buddies that they have, you know, one or two lower receivers, <clears throat> but then they'll have, like... Multiple uppers. Ten uppers and, and totally different calibers, but you can swap out. That's what's awesome about the ar platform is that you can swap out upper receivers and shoot different calibers that's what i was doing before this year i had a 350 and a 450 upper and one Mm -hmm. lower but then dylan wanted to use my gun so i had an excuse to go buy another lower so yeah yeah so you can swap swap uppers out so you can have you know an upper receiver with uh a red dot on it yeah shoot 223 and then you can have one with a like a lbvo thermal (laughs) bk get you i don't know well, I'm be sick. But you can have uh, a bunch of different uppers with different optics on it and swap them out and have to worry about mm-hmm. being off. Jeez, I, I don't know why my throat is tickling really bad. Uh, yeah, I know why. You were kissing Be Cool last night. <laughs> be yeah. Cool can have influenza this week, so. I might have influenza. Now we're all five beer. guys in one hotel room. We're all sick now. We're all going to be sick. That's cool. I got a bunch of sick time. So I was had to. What about Monday? Yeah, yeah, Monday, Monday you might get sick. sick. Yeah. Oh, well, then you might as well stay tonight. I get super sick. Hunt Monday morning. Actually, Sorry, boss. Yeah. Yeah. Boss. <laughs> boss your way for your boss. <laughs> right. Both. Yeah, I mean, we'll get my daughter back tomorrow, too. So, yeah. She'll probably be there for that. Yeah. But well, next year. Stories to tell her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She'll, yeah. Be, she'll be tickled. And, uh, Especially it's with, just totally different. Nobody nobody really understands. No. And we did record. I, like I was yeah. filming yeah. Derek here, and I don't know if we're going to do anything with it or not. Yeah, I'd be worried yeah. about the backlash. Like I, I get some people understand what we're doing, but there's a lot of people. Even after listening to this, they're probably like, "You guys are idiots! You're killing too many deer." Still, oh, yeah, everything it's, we're doing is completely. And horrible. I honestly can see it both ways. I can do. I not, really not the depredation part, but the gun drives. Like, yep. Um, it's just 
some people just hate, hate what we do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, yeah. yeah, and then they come out and see the drones, see the deer numbers, and they'll be like, "I, I like you." You have one year and never come back. Total. I asked you when we were hunting, like, "Have you ever seen anything like this?" And you're like, "No." I mean, it's just, it's totally different. Well, some people, are, oh, that's mm-hmm. not hunting. It's like, well, I mean, that's how you measure hunting. Yeah, yeah, right. You flush them out, you shoot them. And yep. Yeah. Anything. I was talking to Matt about this when we were talking about, uh, you know, um, hunting birds and stuff, and. You know, like, oh, if I, if I hit and wound a deer, I get like, man, that sucks. Like if I can't find yeah. it, I've knock on wood. I've never lost hit it. a deer and lost it yet. I, it might, it's probably going to happen it eventually, happen. you know, but it's one of those things where I've never felt that way about birds. Oh yeah. You know, like I hit a, I hit a duck and it goes down and I don't find it. I'll look for it and I'll do my due diligence. I'll really, I'll look and look and look. If I can't find it, then it's like, ah, that, that stinks, you know, but it's not the same feeling as if I, and I don't know would, why if, I have the same feeling though. Pheasants too. You look forever, but it's, it's, it's the grass and it's yeah. so hard to find them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I, I mean, of course we try our best to find every pheasant, but without dollars, it's yeah. tough. It's tough. It's almost impossible in some of the CRP yeah, stuff too. That's what I'm saying. But it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you, but um, have you ever heard, you guys waterfowl at all? Uh, a couple times. So do you, do you ever water swat them? We haven't, but we were hunting once, and there's a group of a couple hundred thousand behind us, and someone mm-hmm. jumped that pond. Yeah. And the stragglers in the field were trying to get away. Mm-hmm. Like you felt bad, and they weren't very ethical. They didn't even go after them. So that's the thing. So um, when you're waterfowling, that's that's kind of a controversial subject amongst waterfowlers is, like, if you water swat them, they get kind of mad. They're like, what the heck, do you? Why yeah. do you water swat them? Like, shoot when they're flying. Yeah. But when you're deer hunting, it's the complete opposite where it's like people are gun hunting and they shoot them on the trot or shoot them on the run. It's like, what the heck, dude? Shoot them when they're stopped. Yeah. So it's the complete opposite. It's so weird like that. Yeah. Because when you're shooting birds in the air, it's way harder than if you were to rake them on the ground or rake them over the water. Yeah. And you, I mean, right away when I first started hunting here, it was hard to shoot a running deer. You didn't know what you were doing over the time. I mean, you learn pretty quickly on how far to lean them. I mean, of course, you're well, gonna, we're going to miss. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do hit them with these, I mean, they're big, big bullets. I mean, it's yeah. stopping them. I've, I've heard a lot of people like gun hunting, too, and they're like, 350 just doesn't have enough ass behind it. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, everyone I hit, when you hit you were there, didn't go far. Didn't go too far. No. But 450s will definitely knock them down <clears throat> quicker. But that 350, it's lighter, it's quieter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the only reason I switched. But maybe I'm a bitch, but I, I just really like that 350. I have smaller bullet. I can fit 10 in a mag pretty easily on the AR. There's no mm-hmm. round maximum in Iowa, so I mean, I like having 10 in there, so I don't have to always reload after every shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like I'm shooting 10 times at every deer, oh, right? Uh, so did multiple deers. So. Um, <laughs> Then in our hunt, you did go through. I went huh. through quite a bit of ammo. I mean, well, I got seven. I shot, yeah. Yeah. I shot seven deer yesterday. So it, uh, yeah, I, I went through down? some ammo. Three. Mm-hmm. What did you get? Zero. Mm-hmm. I was on the wrong side. Of every piece we hunted. No Now, when we were walking, the landowner goes to Jacob. I bet you were wish, wish you were carrying a gun. Yeah. Yep. But I sure he, did. He did. He had the biggest smile, and I just can't. Yeah. So giddy. Even walking out there, I've never met anyone faster than Derek. even in church today. He's oh, still dude. just giddy. Yeah, he yeah, was he smiling from ear to ear today. He was probably the happiest dude oh, in, God, in yeah. church. He was, honestly, 
So the other thing that's kind of cool. He'll, I haven't been to church for he'll probably. He'll be calling us his yields next year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no kidding. But that's another cool thing about today. Like, you know, went to church and stuff. That was pretty cool. I've never been to an apostolic church. Yeah. I've never, I haven't been to church for probably, like, honestly, like two years. Oh, everybody there is like, how many deer did you get? How many is yeah. stuff? Well, it's, it's cool. It was fun. But it's I been feel really this well trip. down here, too. Where there's always food. It's, it's 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 deer camp. I mean, it's to me, this is what deer camp has always been. Some people don't get to experience. Because mm-hmm. most of these people I see once a year down here. Yeah. And they, they get so excited when we come down here. Mm-hmm. You know? That's something that the WCB is trying to do. Someone's rolling in. Oh, okay. But, yeah. That's something that's always fun is the, the good old-fashioned deer camp and stuff. But, but yeah, I don't know what you say. Yeah, I'm going to keep going at it. But, uh, yeah, the crew's coming back from church. Yep. So we're probably going to wrap it up yeah. here and if go hunting. spend the night tonight, we can add on to this. So. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> no, well, uh, yeah, hopefully we get some more deer this afternoon and, yeah, get a big buck, I hope. Yep. Well, we'll see. All right. Go shoot your gun. <laughs> yeah, go shoot your gun. Peace. <laughs>